Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. Thank you for joining us today as we have a special program celebrating All Saints Day. Today we'll be examining the Great Commission and talking with two saints who answered God's call to be missionaries a long time past. So before we get started, let's read the Great Commission. It is found in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 and it reads as follows. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So that is an amazing scripture passage that leads us into our interviews with these two saints who have answered the call of the Great Commission. So first off, let's interview St. Francis Xavier. St. Xavier, it's good to have you here. It's great to be here and to uh, be participating with one another by the communion of the saints. Yes, it is great, especially on this All Saints Day. Um, well, we want to hear a lot about your life and your story and your mission, um, missionary journeys. Uh, but, you know, important question first to ask. I heard that there was a certain incident about your toe. Can you tell us what happened there? Some poor woman wanted to have holiness so badly. She was willing to bite my toe off my dead body and put it in a shrine in her own church, a cathedral in Gao, India. Um, and so it wasn't exactly allowed for people to be stealing parts of saints' bodies. And while her understanding may be lacking, at the very least, we can say that she was dedicated and faithful. Yeah, we, we, I guess we can, can say that at, at the very least. Well, I'd just like to ask, yeah, I know the, the lady's not here for me to ask, but... Um, I just don't totally get the whole relic thing, but how well did that work for her? Well, I can say this much. Uh, The church that she put that toe in about over 500 years ago is still standing to this day. Wow. Well, I guess, yeah. Um, That's one way to grow a church or to build a church. Um, Well, anyways, uh, speaking of your toe being stolen, why was it so special that it needed to be stolen in the first place? Well... In the early 1500s, I was accidentally called to the mission field. I was the secretary of the Jesuit movement in the Catholic Church, and I was sent to Asia in place of a sick priest. After much study, or rather, uh, I was trying to gain access to China in 1552, and I caught a fever and died. After much study and some work, finally, some of my followers actually managed to be allowed to minister in China. Since I was part of these things and I was a faithful servant of God, my toe was regarded as uh, more valuable, more holy than some others. Though I must say, my forearm and right hand were much, much more significant than my toe. Okay, well then, (laughs) next question. What makes your arm, or your right arm, and hand uh, much more important than your toe? Before I was trying to gain access to China, I did successfully minister to India, Malaya, and Japan. I ministered to many people in those areas. One of the letters I wrote back to Rome records that one day I baptized so many people I couldn't lift my right arm. The Jesuits still claim to this day that I baptized over 700,000 people. God used my right arm to bless thousands and perhaps millions of people if you include other sacraments and other blessings aside from baptisms. This is also why I'm called the Apostle to the Indies. Most of my body is still in the Indies today. 
That is a quite a fascinating story, and we can definitely see why your right arm uh, was considered or is considered important. Um, but you mentioned that you were the apostle of the Indies. Does that mean you were from the Indies? No. I was born in 1506 between Spain and France in the past Kingdom of Navarre, which doesn't exist today. But when I died in 1552, working to get into China, my body was enshrined and preserved in my first missionary headquarters, the Church of Good Jesus in Gao, India. About 60 years after my death, the then general of the Jesuits had my right arm cut off and placed in the Church of Gesu in Rome. Sometimes my right arm is used even in missions today as the relic that was once my arm travels the world being used by God to inspire the faith today. Wow, that's, that's a, again, another fascinating story, an element of that, and you get to keep traveling on missionary journeys um, even after your death. Uh, speaking of missions, um, what advice would you give to those who are working in missions today and, well, uh, frankly, just ministry in general? Be organized and work tirelessly. There were many congregations that God founded through me that survived hundreds of years and devastating persecutions. Also, those working with me near my death were some of the first missionaries to be allowed in China. You don't get into a place like China and through all of their security and work through many of the things that they try to fight concerning outside cultures by just being nice, loving Christian people. To go minister in places like that, you have to be organized and hardworking. And that's true even to this day as Christians and missionaries are facing persecutions. It's not enough for them to simply have love for one another and to care about Christ, which that is, of course, the most important thing. But to go minister in places like this, lest they be uh, cast off to be martyrs immediately, they have to be organized and they have to be hardworking. Well, thank you, Francis St. Francis Xavier, for uh, interviewing with us today. And you have been a great inspiration for us and for all those who are participating in the life of the Church Universal and uh, ministry and missions. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then Pastor Mike will be back to interview our next saint. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, dog is back. And let me grab my notes so that I can do a commercial. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, those of us at Kingdom of the Lagos are here to provide you with an alternative to the pagan culture around you, and we need your support. Liking and sharing our content does so much for us. Our videos are on YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast is on SoundCloud, CastBox, iTunes, and more. If you would like to donate monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelagos. God love you, and have a blessed day. Welcome back to Kingdom of the Lagos on this All Saints Day in this special episode uh, where we're going to interview a couple of saints. We've already interviewed, uh, Pastor Amanda did rather, interview uh, St. Francis Xavier. And so now we're going to interview St. Patrick. And many of you have heard of that and have a lot of questions. And so I'm going to um, introduce you to St. Patrick. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Mike, for allowing me to be here. It's a great place to be, evidently. You know, there's legends that I cast all the snakes out of Ireland. I come into your studio and there's just cables and cords everywhere. Someone needs to cast the cables out of this place. But 
We'll see. Anyways, it's, it's <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you for, for inviting me. Well, St. Patrick, you are known for being a missionary, obviously, but uh, you can, can you tell us just a, a, a little bit about your life? Well, yes. I was born in 386, and I was born in a British, well, what you would now call British, but it was really part of Rome at the time. I was born in a, a settlement that was up in the British Isles as a child of Roman descent with Roman influences. And, you know, that's where I was at. The church was still in her early few generations. We had kind of figured out who we were. The church was starting to spread her wings and go many places around the world. But there were still a lot of problems. And there were still a lot of people who, who had never heard the gospel. Their, their cultures were entirely cut off from the world. And really, I lived in a time and got to, to do some wonderful things, taking the gospel to people who, who knew almost nothing of, of God at all. Okay. So how did you become to come to serving God and exactly I mean there's uh, I've heard rumors and and stories of the kidnapping into slavery but would yeah, you ex- that, that's a very important part of my my life and in, in fact God worked in what would be terrible circumstances to bring something to a really beautiful place when I was a, a young boy when I was a teenager I was kidnapped and you know I was a Roman citizen there I would have had you know so many commodities in life so many wonderful cherished things but I was kidnapped as a teenager and carried away by the Druid people who lived in Ireland and to be held there as a slave and you know as a young boy I really didn't know what was to become of me and I was there and I kind of thought that would be my life and I was was there for quite a long time I grew up away from my family I never thought I'd see them or anything like that again and as I was there I thought to myself myself and all these others who have been kidnapped we we deserve this because we we did not obey our priests um, and of course, those of you who have read my, my writings, those things I have left behind, you, you know this is a confession that I made. We did not listen to our priests, and this was the justice of God. And even as someone who was a slave, I found gratitude that, that God could still have a relationship with me. And after I was a slave for, for quite some time, I had a strange dream in the middle of the night where, where God had come to me and sent a messenger, and that message told me to go run away. That, that if I ran to the shore, I would find a, a fishing boat there. And if I would just jump on that fishing boat, it would take me back to my home. Wow. Uh, after you fled captivity, what did you do next? Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. I really didn't know what would be next for me in life. You know, I, I'd spent so much time as a slave. All these strange things had happened. I had this vision that told me to go back, and I went home, and I was expecting everything to be really exciting. It should have been a great reunion. But when I got home, I found that all my old friends, my, my family members, they had all grown up and I had kind of been left a little bit in the past. I had spent all those years as I was developing into a young man as a slave and I really didn't know Latin as well as my, my friends and my family. I didn't know a lot. I had tried to carry on in some of the, the works in my community, but ultimately I realized there just wasn't much for me in the world. And I looked to the church and I said, you know, if God, if you've called me away from the slavery, surely you have some work that I can do. So I went and I, I wanted to join the priesthood is what I thought I would do next with my, my life. Well, was it then that you became the bishop to Ireland? Oh, no, no, it wasn't. And actually, I, I don't really know how I ended up being the bishop of Ireland. It certainly must have been the hand of God. When I went to go study and learn to be a priest, I was told that I was too old, that since I didn't know how to read and write very good in Latin, certainly I would never amount to anything as a minister and you know I, I kind of accepted my fate I realized I'd been 
put in a, a unfortunate situation, but yet I would still devote my life to God. So even as I was there working and studying, I was going to study and give all my my energy to becoming a priest. Even if I wasn't able to be ordained in the church, surely I could spend my life devoted to God. It's, the gift of life itself is beautiful, and life's green earth is such a beautiful creation, and I, I should devote my life to it, even if I'm not going to be a minister in it. Well, after you finally became bishop, what happened next? What well, what exactly does a bishop do? Well, I hadn't become a bishop yet, and that's kind of the important twist in this story is after I'd spent time studying to be a priest, again, they never really thought I would amount to anything, but I, I had another vision. And in this vision, God was telling me to go back to Ireland. You know, I kind of thought to myself, I'm not going to be very much for the church here, so... I said, I'm going to write to the, to the authorities in the church. I'm going to write to Rome and say to them simply, I'm not good for anything here. Would you mind sending me back to Ireland to, to bring the gospel to these people who formerly kept me as a slave? So I wrote the letter, and the church thought about it, and they said, you know, we really do need to, to send a missionary to, to Ireland. And so can you guess what their response was when they, they wrote back to me? What was it? Uh, any, any, <laughs> Did they you know, they that, want you to send to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the actual answer I got was no. Oh, no. Man. Yeah. You, you might think, oh, we can get rid of him. We can send somebody <laughs> to all these Druid people. You know, they got crazy things going on there. But no, they said no. And so here I am as a, a young man, not really going to become a priest. And I found out that not only did the church say no to me, they were going to send somebody else to Ireland. You know, how does that sound? Well, it sounds better than asking how many toes do you have, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I heard y'all had a, an interview with the saint before me. I, I do have more toes than him. Um, last time I checked, um, we'll have to see into that later. But, you know, I, I saw that they were sending another man to, to Ireland to be the bishop. And I was really in a, an attitude that, again, we should give glory to God. We should have gratitude in all things. So I, I, was, I was happy that the people in Ireland were going to be blessed. But after a few years went by... Word came back that the people of Ireland, they were so brutal, they were so savage that they could do nothing with them. So the bishop that had gone to Ireland came back and said, it's a lost cause, it's, it's no hope at all. But that conviction was still deep within my heart, and I knew that God wanted those people there to know him. And so I wrote again to, to, the, to Rome, and I said, look, you sent your bishop. If you would send me, again, I'm not amounting to anything. I'm, I'm not very well educated. You can get rid of me. Again, you already think Ireland's a, a lost cause. Just send me there and you can kill really two birds with one stone. You'll have that scratched off your list. You'll have done something with me and it'll all be wonderful. And so finally the church agreed to do this and I went back to Ireland. And you've got to keep in mind, I was a slave to these people. It is you know, punishable by death for a slave to run away if you get caught. But I thought, no, the love of Christ compels me to go back to these people. Even though these people might kill me, even though the legends of all sorts of things they might kill and even try to eat me, I need to go and minister to them because they need God. They need to know their Lord Christ Jesus and they need to come to have a relationship with Him. So I went back and I approached even those who had been my owners. Wow. And I asked for their forgiveness and then I started to teach them the love of Christ. Teaching is uh, something that, that we associate a lot with uh, St. Patrick, and, you know, of course, I've read on the Internet, and, you, of course, that just makes it true. But uh, <laughs> I want to ask you uh, personally, did you teach with the shamrocks? Uh, well, whether or not I taught with the shamrock, I, I can't even remember. I mean, that's it's been well over 1,500 years now. I, I died on March 17th of 461. 
it's been quite some time, but certainly I always used God's beautiful creation to teach people. I, I looked around at nature, and again, I didn't have the, the fancy education that some others had. I didn't have the eloquent speech that many had, but I knew that God was a loving God, that he was able to use anyone who would pursue him. And I looked to the world around us, and the, the people that I was with, their culture, it wasn't very developed. They didn't have a, an established written language and the, the encyclopedias and things that we have that really come to inform us. But I knew that these people were nonetheless very informed with nature. So I started building off their knowledge of nature to look around them and to reveal to them the God of all creation, the master of creation who would send his son to die for them so that they, no matter who they are, no matter what sins they committed, they could be forgiven and they could come to know him. Well, speaking of nature, there is a lot of artwork depicting you, and and often in the artwork we see snakes, you know, fleeing from you. And so I, I've got to ask the question: Did you really cast out all the snakes from Ireland? Well, if I did, it appears they turned into cords and came into the studio. <laughs> but again, it it's been far too long for for me to be able to say on that one. But I'll tell you this: God did work on that, and He did get rid of all the, the spirit and the paganism that was there. It was cast away and the gospel come to live and inhabit the hearts and minds of these people. And the missionary journeys that I took throughout Ireland and even up towards the north, they were wonderful and many people came to know Christ and there were many churches built and, and even to this day, those Christians who came in that time when I was there, they have influenced the world and God really worked in, in my life, and He worked in the life of many around me. And I just have to give praise to Him for all of that. Well, uh, as I, I see you dressed in your bishop's uh, outfit, I just got to ask, uh, are, so why are you associated with the color green? Well, you know, I was really originally associated with the color blue. Blue. Perhaps they thought blue was a bit too intellectual for me. I don't know. But I guess now, that's as good as being associated with missing a toe. Well, well, I did get green, which is a wonderful color, and it's associated with life, the, the growth of, of nature. And, and certainly throughout my ministry, I saw God's beautiful work around me, and I saw Christ's church grow and swell throughout the Irish, Irish people, the Druid people, and wonderful things happen. You, earlier you asked a question, and I didn't really get to get back to answering it, and I want to make good on that. I was the bishop to Ireland, and really a bishop is someone who kind of has... A, a position of authority influencing a variety of churches. Now, my role as bishop obviously looked a little different from some other bishops because I was going to a new place. I was really a missionary going to a new land. I was really starting with the grass up. I was starting with grassroot Christians and grassroot churches. So it wasn't like stepping into a position where there are already churches planted everywhere and thriving congregations to reside over with your sort of duties you might have from the bureaucracy level. It was very much a, a wonderful time to walk with people, to talk with them, to teach them, to bring them to know Christ. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned the green and from the grass up, and of course when I think of Ireland, I think of, uh, of the pretty grass, the, the greenery. Uh, you know, here though in the United States, uh, you're, you have a day that we call September, I mean uh, March 17th, that you know, people wear green and things, but I mean the partying uh, that has become associated with your day on March 17th has gone to the place where, I mean, it is out there. I mean, you can find green cupcakes, green beer, green this, green that. What do you think of the partying that has uh, become associated with your day? 
Well, God wants us to have joy, but there is a lot of sin which comes to mock the righteous. And I think it's a shame that rather than spending the day to, to think of missions and to think of how we can carry the Great Commission, I, I know you all opened that program with the Great Commission, rather than spending our time giving grace to those around us, giving, giving praise to God for His word, He is truly worthy of the glory in, in heaven, rather than doing things of that nature and being people of, of the Great Commission, we have instead chose to indulge in ourselves and have no gratitude for the wonderful life which God has given us. And to that, I think, is a great shame. But all the same, there is always hope in Christ Jesus. Amen. And there is hope that we can turn from the things of the world and turn back to Him. Good. That's good. Uh, I like that answer. I, I would like for, for you to give uh, the listeners some advice. Uh, what would you give to them uh, when it comes to carrying out the Great Commission? What type of advice would you give? Well, you don't have to have a fancy education. It is good to be well informed of the scriptures, but you do not have to be someone who is the, the most praised person with the highest credentials in the world to do it. And even when the world, even when institutions within the church, you must remember that the church has always had its own heretics and things within there. When the church wants to say no to the Great Commission, don't let that dishearten you. You can still endure and you can still take the gospel to people. The gospel truly is enough. And taking that to people, no matter who they are, even if they were people who formerly did terrible things to you, take it to them. Be willing to forgive. And also, I would recommend to people that they have gratitude in all things in life. As a young man in captivity as a slave, I had gratitude. I had gratitude that the God, the Lord of all creation, He would give me life and that He would be willing to send a son to die on the cross for me. And even though I was in slavery, that was not enough to even pay the debt of my sins, but yet Christ would die so that I could be cleansed. So have gratitude in all things in life and do not hesitate to carry out the Great Commission. Well, thank you, St. Patrick, for joining us today. And uh, I am glad that you do have all your toes at this point, but we realize that from the previous interview that that is not necessarily the importance. We also realize uh, all the colors and, and a big fancy education is not important as you just said. What matters is that you are obedient to God and God's great commission here. And this, the great commission could be called the great purpose, the great you know uh, mission of the church. And so I just want to recap a couple of things here. Um, when you read these, these scriptures here in, in Matthew, uh, it, it really boils down to this, that the purpose of the church is evangelism, which is to share the good news that God is king. And second, uh, I would say it's fellowship of, of with others, other believers, but it that fellowship goes to a place where we strive to live in right relationship, not only with others, but obviously with God, all of creation, and even ourselves. And then, uh, obviously, as, as you see this commission, this purpose, we are called to worship and give glory to God, reflecting Christ Jesus in the image of God. And then I think also it, it calls us, as Jesus said, to teach you know others everything. It is a call for us to be compassionate to others and a desire for healing and salvation 
to enter into their into the lives of others. Also, I think there is something extremely important that you mentioned about you know, you don't have to be extremely educated, but it doesn't give us a pass on discipleship. Uh, we are to be students and followers of Christ Jesus, and we can do that, and thank God for this day and age, we have the, uh, the, the beauty of the text in our own language, which we can read. And so we're, we're called not only to be a disciple, but to teach others as, as uh, both these saints have told us today. So we have a purpose of not only being uh, called to be transformed in this, but also to be God's instrument as God transforms others. And so you can see this very wonderfully in this Great Commission. I am so thankful that everyone out there joined us today on this special edition of Kingdom of Logos, where we had two saints join us here in the studio with all the chords that even spooked uh, St. Patrick on the snake thing. <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, you know, it's kind of scary to realize all these relics and these toes. I never did get to ask uh, uh, St. Xavier if he had any extra toes. Uh, for those pastors watching who would like a little extra church growth, uh, he did say that they, <laughs> that church that uh, got that still maintaining. But I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to remind you that, that you are loved, but most importantly, we love you, God loves you, and he wants you to be whole and complete.